Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And boy, I'm glad that we live in a world where I can simply lift my wrist and tell Siri to text Lola that it's all good, don't fret, no more running. <laughs> Communication is key, yes. <laughs> Certainly. Um, but in our final film for this month, Run, Lola, Run, that kind of convenience is not uh, in that world. All, All three of them. I saw this film shortly after release, I think maybe a year or two, uh, because I took German in high school, four years of German, German Honor Society. How's that going? <laughs> Don't remember very much. <laughs> I hate to say I'm totally American <laughs> in that regard. Like, I needed it for the testing, the exams, and when I was uh, done, like a Etch-a-Sketch, just all out of my mind. So my, my German teacher... She such a cool cat. She's one of those people who got into Harvard and didn't go because she was like, they don't have a good German program. I'm like, yeah, that's what people are thinking. <laughs> I, I said the same thing myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> same reasoning. So uh, she ended up going to uh, Michigan because I, I guess they got a good German program. But she was one of those like really awesome individuals, uh, very unique. I saw her once at a bookstore, but it was one of those like, oh my gosh, a teacher is out and about like a normal person. I just couldn't say hi to her, but she was getting her teacher discount at the uh, at the store. So I was like, good for her. Anyhow, so she thought it would be a great idea to uh, show this movie. It was very popular, getting a lot of traction. And I really liked it when I watched it in high school. Huge crush on Franco Patente uh, after I saw the movie. Uh, it, the bright red hair, all the running. I was like, boy, she's in shape. It, it, the, 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 the tattoos that are kind of on her body that, that, that don't call attention to themselves, but you know they're there. Just little things. There are a lot of little idiosyncrasies in this movie that I uh, really, really loved. I'm digging this. I'm digging that you uh, found uh, Lola here somewhat of a... Uh, classy tees with that bright red hair as she <laughs> races around the city. Uh, the best thing I took from this, because I've, I've watched this a few times. I'm like you, I watched it as a teenager more. This was a God, probably like a Suncoast video purchase for me is how wow. I had to see it. So it was like a blind buy for like 40 bucks or something on DVD because it was the cool movie, you know, that year uh, didn't get nominated for best foreign film. I'm just seeing that because the tabs open and <laughs> I mean, this is going to sound very, like, American of me, but it's like, now, God damn it, if a teenager in Kentucky was buying a foreign film at Suncoast Video for 40 bucks, that was the best international film of the year. <laughs> like, that was the one that had the reach. I'm wondering if you're going to go the same direction I am as far as, uh, is this going to be, like, me finally meeting you where uh, you were with Go, where... 
is this something that appeals more when you're younger? Because now I just find it really exhausting. And I'm like, <laughs> why didn't you just do that? Like, like I'm, <laughs> I'm nitpicking. <laughs> it, it, it's funny to me that an 80 minute movie can feel exhausting. And it, it kind of does, to be honest with you. It's a little inorganic, right? Uh, right in the prologue, you've got, uh, I don't know, I guess a security guard being like, you know, it's a big experiment. Uh, he essentially states that the whole film is an exercise about uh, destiny versus free will, which is kind of the overarching, I don't want to call it a theme, because I don't know if those concepts are really explored, or is it just kind of like a, hey, maybe this is a thing, and it seems like they accidentally tripped into uh, those kind of higher aspirations. I don't know if that was really the case. I mean... Based on, you know, we're doing this because of best movie year ever. Uh, and this is the, you know, <laughs> I guess one of the freebie months where it's like there's so many films from 1999 or uh, 1998 yet again, <laughs> yet again with this one. <laughs> Getting a little annoyed with this book as far as uh, are we just doing the stateside release? Are we not? Um, you know, the, the inspiration was video games. If you go with that, it's like, okay, so... I'm not saying they weren't aspirational because the other thing that was part of this was, Hey, we need to make some money. Like their company's about to go under and they succeeded in that. I don't know if I really, I think when I was younger, I didn't really think about it in the video game sort of aesthetics um, because I was probably too into video games at the time that I'm like, well, this is a film in German. It's not, you know, it's not based on video games. This is high art. And now I'm like, oh, okay, so yeah, you're doing the three lives, you're pumping the quarter in again. Now I, I see it and I'm like, okay, if that's what you were aspiring to, then you succeeded. You you wanted to bring that sort of enthusiasm, that sort of energy level of like playing a game to narrative filmmaking. When I was 16, I was way into the philosophy. And now I think I pretty much zoned out every time there was a, I guess what we would call the, you know, the cut scene in video games where it's. <clears throat> the sort of red glow of the, the afterglow of these two lovers talking about like, Hey, if I died, what would your reaction be? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I know on this watch web, I, I think I just missed it. The conversation. And I didn't even go back. I'm just like, ah, eh, whatever. Like she's going to run again. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, those kind of little details. I do wonder if it's like, it was put there in the movie for a reason, something like, when she knows how to use a gun properly in the second go around and she had to ask. Mm, so sure. th that absolutely is something video gamey, 100%. Like you're learning from your previous run at it. She she knows that the guy trying to sell her a bike had stolen and, you know, she just quickly dismisses the NPC out of hand. One problem I think I've always had with the movie um, is once you get past that initial thrill, I don't have any sort of firm understanding about how her decisions change these secondary characters at all like bumping into them two seconds later it's dare i say it ashton kutcher's the butterfly effect i think better explains <laughs> <laughs> what could happen <laughs> whereas this one it's like you know if you bump into a lady five seconds down the sidewalk she is being visited by child welfare losing her child and stealing another baby out of the park or she wins the lottery if you're a little bit quicker or slower I, I don't know, like, I guess we're not meant to really think too much about that, but I felt like when I watch it as an, you know, an old angry man, there was like a missed opportunity to see how those things, like, 
had any sort of merit or meaning, but it it all seems kind of trite and meaningless. Like like a, I guess like video game. <laughs> you know that that is one aspect of the film that. I, I really wondered this time around uh, with the concept of chaos theory. And chaos theory and butterfly effect are not exactly the same thing. Chaos theory, I, I read a book about this in high school for my calculus class. Uh, it, was called, it was called Chaos by James Gleick. Really great book, but written in like 1987, so maybe there's a more recent book uh, now about it. So it's the mathematical study of, of patterns and behaviors in different systems. That, like It could be biological, it could be political, it could be um, financial, uh, where you are seeing a lot of irregularities and you're not seeing any patterns, but the deeper you study them, the more you start seeing consistency and vice versa. You might see something that looks completely ordered and natural and, and, and completely normal, but the deeper you look into that, you start to find irregularities. So, and butterfly effect is just kind of one of those principles that I think is maybe used to explain chaos theory, like a butterfly flapping its wings in Texas is going to cause a hurricane in Indonesia. So when she has these interactions with these individuals, like the woman with the stroller, she doesn't affect her trajectory, it seems like, very much. She doesn't slow her down. She doesn't mm-hmm. uh, bump into the, the stroller to the point where, like, the baby falls out or something, something like that. But one of the uh, things about chaos theory is that the systems that are especially susceptible are the ones where even the slightest little variable will drastically affect um, uh, the ending. So I can kind of see that, but again, it just seems like the film is just including it for the sake of like, hey, isn't this cool? Like, isn't this unique? Well, and that's it. And it's it's very much like why 16-year-old me would probably dig this. is, And it's the same with, you know, narrative films, uh, video game shared as well. <laughs> whoever the main character is, which is me, I'm playing the main character. Right. Everything, re- everything revolves around me. And that's why I was, I keep going back to the video game thing because when I bump into someone, when I'm playing grand theft auto, I don't really need the game to then tell me who, who whose car I just jacked. <laughs> like what happened to them? <laughs> like, I don't need to stop and really consider <laughs> what happened to one of the thousands of characters just roaming this sandbox city. And the movie putting it in my face, it it makes me consider it. And then I'm like, well, why would that happen? <laughs> like, I I think I'm just more, you know, you know, just meat and potatoes. Like when she runs past faster or slower and it causes... Uh, a man to bump into another car in a fender bender. I like that usually it doesn't change anything at all. It's just the angles which he wrecks into these giant meatheads who presumably are going to get out and beat him up. Those I get. The people that end up like, you know, the guy that steals the bike, he ends up getting beat up and then he falls in love, meets his wife, or he is becomes like addicted to like drugs and like dies in the like bathroom, like a public stall. I guess I guess what I'm getting at is <laughs> I don't really want to consider this like almost all consuming power that Lola has on everyone in the city. Like her her own little battles that she's having trying to bail her her boyfriend out or finding out um things about her father's, you know, history where she's not actually his his biological child, he's having an affair. All that stuff's interesting, the sort of soap opera aspects. But the poor NPCs dying in a bathroom stall, like of a heroin overdose, kind of <laughs> takes me out of it, man. I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not digging it. 
I would love for Grand Theft Auto 6 to have that mode, the socially conscious <laughs> version of a playthrough, where before you do what you're supposed to do, you see those branching paths where, like, if you kill this hooker, you're going to have Marv coming at you in a little bit. Is that what you want? <laughs> that actually would be really fun. <laughs> the constant threat to behave better. Um... Yeah, the, the, I don't think the film really utilizes these themes. In fact, like I often kind of felt throughout this watch through, like I wonder if the same screenwriter was trying to put something together, kept messing up, and then after three drafts, he was like, wait a minute, and then just took the three drafts <laughs> and stitched them together. It kind of felt that way. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the end, he di- he does have something that I think is very idiosyncratic. And it's the first time that I was like, this feels like a 90s film. The previous ones that we've talked about, I'm not saying they have a timeless quality to them, but I can't, I can't pinpoint Just what say those... it. Go is timeless. Just say <laughs> it. Go on record. <laughs> Never. I don't know why. I don't know what the traits are for like a typical 90s film or even a typical 1999 film. But it does have a little bit of that like counterculture uh, a vibe to it. Uh, even the visual, like it's uh, it's kind of a grungy looking film at times. You've got this yellow grating. Um, uh, the, uh, the port, well, I don't want to say poor because he's an asshole, but uh, the father at the bank who... Pretty much in every version isn't just revealed to be just a real jerk. Um, why? Why is <laughs> why is his segment, his private conversations? Why are they filmed on digital video? At you know for, for the time? Why? Because this is a pretty nice looking movie, and I I don't know if you had the uh, the iTunes copy, but it's got you know the the 4K treatment, and so any sequence was pretty much Lola running. Uh, it looks gorgeous to me, and I know this was filmed very much like a they got a lot of stolen shots, you know, around the city and they're just like doing what they can, like with what they have. But I wondered about the conscious decision. Uh, do you think that contributed to the sort of nineties aesthetic? Because they're definitely around 99, 2000, there was a lot of, uh, I think wider experimentation with the digital video sort of look and boy, have those, those don't need the, uh, the 4k treatment. No. I mean, beyond that, it's like, it's all handheld stuff where the camera, you know, operator just seems to have the shakes, you know, too much coffee. Like I hate, I hate those scenes. I am a, a, an ardent fan of, of the Kubrick or Fincher philosophy where it's like, I'm going to plan out my shot. I'm going to put the camera here and it's going to go this way. And we're not going to have a bunch of janky, uh, um, looking gorilla style filmmaking here. So uh, yeah, I absolutely took me out of the movie in those moments. And, and definitely the, you, there is a significant difference between the way the running sequences look and the way those uh, handheld uh, digital ones do. And the other ones that really look different are the animated sequences. Mm. What did you think about these and why? Mm. I'd say go back uh, to the fourth, fifth, sixth draft. You might, uh, let's, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's probably like going back to my youth, probably something that was like, oh, cool. Uh, it's a cartoon for the credits. This is awesome. And now I'm like, eh, I don't know if this, does this really look that, look that great? Like, why are we doing this? Like, I just don't know if this is a film, which is weird because of, you know, it's, uh, companions would have been like you know the the matrix uh fight club for this year 
and would have really targeted this sort of younger demographic. Uh, you know, the what does it all mean? Like, what is, uh, where do I fit in the, the grand scheme of things? Uh, I just don't know if this is a film that is designed for rewatches, which is strange given our theme, which is about, for this month, that nonlinear narrative structure, which usually is conducive to rewatches. You're like, oh, okay, so that's, you know, that's how... I, I see what they I see how they assembled the puzzle. <laughs> this one, and just you know, I've I've rewatched it five or six times, and yet I think every successive time I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> this time, <laughs> this time I bought it again. It was on sale for five bucks. I'm like, cool, 4K. And while I was watching it, I thought, Webb, this this is probably it. This is probably the last time, unless there's another goddamn podcast for this. This this may be it for me and Lola. I think. You're you're selling yourself short because I don't think you've seen it five or six times. You must have applied that by three. You've actually seen it, you know, that same sequence <laughs> 15 or 18 times. That's I think that's the reason why it doesn't have the rewatchability because you're rewatching it as you watch it. So, yeah. That's a good, fair point. And that brings up something I wanted to ask you. I've not heard you uh, take the bat to this one or the characters for their stupid, youthful indiscretions like you did with Go. What is it about Manny and Lola and their decisions here that you're somewhat giving a pass to, to them? Because they're pretty quick to grab a gun, rob a grocery store, <laughs> rob a bank, uh, point the gun at their father. A lot of, lot of rash decisions. I, I feel like if it were me playing the video game, the game would be like, hey, 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 hey. You there would be like a little yellow text. You can't grab a gun. <laughs> like, the, like it's a little bit too much freedom. Where it's the uh, the Michael Scott improv effect from The Office, where he always wants to pull a gun on his scene partner. <laughs> it's like, do we have to? Do we have to do that? Like because now, and maybe that's the point of the film. Now you have closed off all other possibilities. Your life is just going to be the next ten minutes before you are shot or arrested. Uh, and it's weird that that's the the first two quarters are spent on gunplay, where the third one is <laughs> gamble all of your all of your money and and scream, use your use your neo effect to 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 win. And I guess Manny just finds the guy that stole his bag and all is well. I don't I don't know. Uh, I thought you would come in a little bit more heavy handed. You would be the adult in the room, being like, "What are these two kids doing?" Something happened in between our last episode and this episode <laughs> that really made me think about what you said and why I was so harsh to go. And I think when I rewatch Go next, I will absolutely be uh, less critical to those characters. What happened in between the last episode and this one was that I, I had some work to do and I was like, what's some good background, you know... Uh, a filmmaking that I can kind of enjoy. And I was like, I haven't uh, revisited Hales and Kumar in a long, long time. So I just put on the trilogy and it made me realize, I was like, boy, they're doing a lot of the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so enjoyable when they do it. <laughs> it is. And I wonder <laughs> why. Could it be that I'm Indian and I see, you know, Hales and Kumar won. That is one of those seminal films of my youth that, that I still love to this day. Uh, mainly because it was the first time you have an Indian protagonist front and center in a mainstream Hollywood feature. And then, of course, his best friend is Asian, and uh, one of my best friends is Asian. And so, and we did make the pilgrimage to White Castle and got to take a photo in front of it and everything. And so it was like, it was great. And so 
I really thought about that. And so when I went into Run Lola Run and I'm seeing some of these like ridiculous antics, it didn't bother me as much. And so again, I will rewatch Go. It's not one that I'm like, oh, this is terrible and like, you know, never think about it again. I absolutely will rewatch Go. And when I do, I will let you know how I feel. And oftentimes, if you're watching it with somebody who enjoys it a little more, you're you know, inclined to enjoy it a little more. And I think my wife would enjoy the kind of puzzle piece aspect of that uh, sort of um, storytelling. So I will keep you posted. Believe me, I, I had to do it. <laughs> I had to look within myself and was and come to grips <laughs> with the fact that like, hey, I can't treat these characters different than I'm treating these. I'm fully expecting it will be for the 30 year anniversary of Go <laughs> that you'll you'll go back to. We'll give you five years uh, to, to cool off. Um, let's get to our, our theme with with these three because on that note, all of them are about young people uh, behaving. I don't I don't want to say badly because following it's more or less he's behaving stupidly. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> And he starts to hang out with someone who's behaving badly. Um, and it's weird because in the Christopher Nolan film, uh, it is by far the most punishing. And yet I would say that of his youthful indiscretions, uh, following people on the street with no intention of robbing or harming them, but just watching them uh, just as a means to be riderly, even though it, in that film it is kind of called into doubt whether or not he's actually going to do any riding or if he's just fucking off. Um, but certainly in go, uh, you know, we talked about in that episode, there is gunplay, uh, a guy draws the gun who has never handled a firearm before and uses it <laughs> to, to shoot a bouncer who, while maybe enjoying it a bit much is doing his job of saying, Hey, you can't touch women. And if you do, I'm going to touch you. You have done that. You can't react by shooting the man. Lola, as I said, like the first two lives of this sort of three life structure guns have to come out. And while they don't intend to harm anyone, there's the threat of violence. Like you are going to put people through trauma. And yet all of the characters with the exception of maybe following, I don't know if we're meant to root for uh, the young man, but I feel like in go and run little run. We are absolutely meant to root for these people to get out of what predicaments that they have put themselves in. Uh, no, that's fair. Uh, and and one thing about Run Lola Run, like she ran out of mana and could no longer use her shrieking scream, so she had to resort to a gun. That's all she had. That's what she wasted it on her boyfriend <laughs> nagging her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then she uses it better in the next two. I think that you understand why the characters are kind of doing what they're doing in Go and in Run, Lola, Run. They're put in these positions, and their backs are kind of against the wall to some extent. Right, Sarah Polly, she's going to lose her home if she doesn't do what she's doing. Uh, Lola's boyfriend's going to die if she doesn't find this money. And so you kind of do root for them. You're on their side. You empathize with this guy who... It follows people around for no reason. Like, you have no idea why he's doing what he's doing. Uh, it, it's classic Nolan. Like, well, I don't really care about the backstory nearly as much. Let me just see, live in the moment. And I don't... You're right. I, that's, that's harder. And you're right. It is much harsher to him. And that may be why. I don't know if he's justified. It's, ju it's justified or not. But either way. Do you think the nonlinear narrative <clears throat> contributes to our lack of understanding 
yes. and following. Whereas you you started with uh, Lolo by having, you know, you have quotes and you have someone introducing us to the concept of the film. But, you know, comparing life to, to a game, you know, the, the ball is round, you know, it's 90 minutes, uh, you know, everything else is just theory. Uh, Go, I, I don't know at what point, you know, you, I'm sure in the, uh, the marketing or the early reviews, you would have understood that it's going to be like a sort of three-act structure with three different stories that coalesce. Um, but I do think that you quickly, as you said, can follow why someone is making stupid decisions uh, because they have to. It's not just for the pure sport of it, especially with the Sarah Polly character. She's like, oh, if, if this tracks the way I think it is, this will be a harmless crime until until it's not. Um, I think Lola is probably the most sympathetic just because uh, how much do you do we know that she knows about her boyfriend's business dealings other than her being the ride to pick him up? Do we really know if she's totally aware of who he's involved with or the, the I guess the scale of violence that he's involved with? It could be. Um, and actually one thing I want to add about go, I'm sorry. Uh, even like the, the uh, middle story with the British character, even his actions that are pretty stupid. I, I guess the explanation for that is Vegas, baby. Like you're in Vegas, you're going to make those <laughs> dumb mistakes. So understandable. <laughs> I want to throw that little bit of, all that being said, if Webb and I went to Vegas, we would be the guys who just eat too much shrimp at the buffet and just, <laughs> just stay stay in the room all weekend just watching movies. Penny slots. We might go find the penny slots. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I don't know how, uh, how much Lola really knows about it. And that's part of the kind of endearing aspect of the character, I guess, is that, that the, the, her love is strong enough. And, and one of the, I think the second um, intermission, I guess, in between the second and third acts, where Manny is being kind of a little bit of a downer, like, you don't really love me, you're going to move on right after I die. So, you know, he's kind of opening up. <laughs> and us in the audience are like, yes, please, God, just... <laughs> Girl, you're not going to marry this dude. When you're 30, you will not be with Manny. Don't pull that gun out. Do not rob that grocery store with him. I mean, by the end, you're like, don't tell him what's in the bag and move on with your life. <laughs> you kind of you kind of feel that way. Yeah, um, it, it's just an endearing character because I think there's something to be said about loyalty, whether it's earned or not. Like you, you She has a little bit of a code for uh, this individual, and that kind of loyalty is endearing. Uh, with following, we've got a film where the the narrative is all over the place, and you can't really piece it together until towards the end. With Go, you can enjoy each of those sequences on their own, and the fact that they intersect is the icing on the cake. And mm. Run, Lola, Run, you are given three very distinct stories with uh, uh, those branching paths that you get to kind of see. So that's much easier to understand. I do believe that if there is a winner of these three, it's got to be between Go and L Run, Lola, Run. I would actually give it to Go because I think that's the most... Shocking. I, I, <laughs> there's a twist ending. Take that, Nolan. <laughs> Go, I think, has the most mainstream appeal. Uh, and and Run Little Run might be a little bit too idiosyncratic for most people. And following, 
I think is for the diehards. If you're a Nolan diehard, you're going to want to see where it all began. And, and I think that novelty is, is about all you will get from it. Um, do you have a favorite of the three? Uh, it's go easily because it's the one I, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I enjoyed it when I was younger um, for its, you know, some of its dialogue faults, it's nineties dialogue. Uh, I absolve it of that. Uh, it doesn't remind me of my youth that I myself experienced, but it reminds me of, uh, you know, finding movies that I feel like were like mine. It's like, you know, because certainly my parents were not watching go, they had no interest in, in me, like, you know, and I didn't, it's not something that I tried to push on them. Our very next, uh, episode, which will be for our, uh, Patreon members, uh, it's going to cover the chapter, uh, and best movie year ever on the Matrix and Office Space. And I distinctly remember trying to get my dad to watch the Matrix with me, which he finally did on DVD, <laughs> on a little boxy television, <laughs> not, not the way you should. And he said nothing throughout the whole movie, nothing. And he sat stone faced and watched it. And when it was over, he said, "Well, that was weird." <laughs> and then got up and left the room. <laughs> so, what I'm saying is, go is something that even at the time I knew this is just meant for me and maybe my friends, and it's not meant for the adults in the room. <laughs> yeah, following. I mean, on the face of it, it's a crime thriller. Uh, it seems to be about adults i guess which are i suppose are the criminals not our main character um but yeah i think it would be the one that would grate on my old man's nerves the most as far as like just pick your story and just fucking tell it like just, <laughs> like, like you know he may not like the character to go and he may think that uh you know reading the subtitles for this red-haired running german uh woman funny but I think he would be like, okay, this is what this movie is. I think he would sort of get comfortable with run, little run and go as far as this is this type of movie. And it's not for me, but following, he may have the anticipation like, okay, this is going to be something I like. And then actively start to get angry at the way Nolan chooses to tell the film. But I think you were absolutely right with following. If you tell it in a straightforward fashion, you just, you don't have much of a movie. You don't have much of a story. Right. And, and that, and that's the key, right? The story I showed my mom, the Planet of the Apes movies, the modern ones, and she loved them. She was very uh, invested in what was happening on screen. I showed her Iron Man, and her reaction was, that was stupid. It was all nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what to do with this woman. 